Well, today we're going to start, or actually not going to start, we're going to finish our series called How to Become a Bomb-Proof Believer. How to Become a Bomb-Proof Believer. In the past few weeks we've been looking at it, and if you, again, if you've heard, if you've seen the, the horse market, you realize that the horse market is terrible. I mean, you can't give away horses, but there's always one horse that always holds its value, and it's that bomb-proof kid horse, Right? Um, if you've priced them lately, they're expensive. I mean, this, this, the set of Pertrons that we bought, we bought from a cowboy out of Canadian. He has a little Palomino, kind of a half horse, you know, just a small horse. And I asked him if he wanted to sell that horse. That horse is like 25 years old. It is a bomb-proof horse. So he puts his three-year-old on that and just lets his three-year-old ride. I mean, it's amazing. But guess what? It's priceless. He, he said, no way. I'm not selling my bomb-proof horse. How many of you guys got a bomb-proof horse that you never sell? Yeah. A lot of you guys, you raised your kids on it, and now you're raising your grandkids on that same horse. Well, uh, the truth about a bomb-proof horse is there's no such thing as a bomb-proof horse, right? We, we, we've established that, that as soon as you think your horse is bomb-proof, he proves you that he's not, right? Proves to you that he's not, and you at some point are going to get that horse in a bind, and it's going to prove that, that no horse is bomb-proof. But here's the truth about a bomb-proof horse. Their mess-ups are rare. And the truth that we take from that as Christians is if we are going to become bomb-proof believers, it's not that we're perfect. Amen? Nobody's perfect and nobody's asking you to be perfect, but sin ought to be rare in your life. It ought not be the norm for the Christian to be living in sin. It ought to be the rarity that they live in sin. Right? And so that's what we've kind of been talking about. But here's the truth. The tragedy is bomb-proof believers are diminishing. They are diminishing because generation after generation is not passed on the faith that they have in Christ Jesus. And therefore, we have less and less of a generation that knows Christ and that serves Christ. And I've told you once, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you again, Thousand Hills Ranch Church is all about reaching into our culture that's unchurched and pulling them out and helping them to become bomb-proof believers. That's our calling. If you want to do something else, go to another church. We are going to reach into the darkness and pull them out of the darkness so that they can find the light in Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's, that's our commitment. Well, you say, well, how do we do that? How do we make bomb-proof believers? How do we raise bomb-proof believers? Here's how we do it. We have to become one first. We have to become one ourselves. People look at us and they go, well, is he a bomb-proof believer? I mean, does he really love Jesus or does he just go to that church? And they look at us and they want to see something that's real in us. And you say, well, how do I become a bomb-proof believer? Number one, if you remember back, if you've taken notes, the first step in becoming a bomb-proof believer is that we must place our faith in Jesus Christ. That is first base, if you look at it that way. You've got, to, you've got to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Everybody in the whole world has a choice. They can either choose to love and serve and follow Jesus Christ, or they can choose to reject him and not become a follower of Christ. Listen, the first part of becoming a bomb-proof believer is placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's by faith that we're saved. 
Ephesians 2, 8, 9. The second part of becoming a bomb-proof believer is life change. If you've truly been saved by the grace of God, your life will be different. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, seriously. I, I, I mean, if you have truly given your heart to Christ, there ought to be a difference in you. Now, one of the things we, I guess you could say, pride ourselves you know, on at Thousand Hills is that we don't care what you look like on the outside. What we care about is what you look like on the inside. You can dress Western, you can dress hip-hop, you can dress, you know, whatever you want to dress. But listen, it doesn't matter how you look on the outside. What matters is what's on the inside. And when he comes into your life, guess what he does? He changes you from the inside out. I'm not here to impress anybody. If you're here to impress somebody, you're in the wrong place. Here's what we're, be, we're, we're about. We're about changing the heart. And then the outward appearance or the actions and all that stuff changes as well. And that leads us to number three, the third part of becoming a bomb-proof believer. Your life-changing experience with Christ should always lead to action. It should lead to doing things. And you say, well, are you saying I should work myself into heaven? Absolutely not. It says that we are saved by grace through what? Faith. Not by works so that no one can boast. But a byproduct of true salvation is action. Faith without works, without deeds, is dead. Right? And so it always involves action. Uh, every Bible, and I said this last week, every Bible should be wrapped in boot leather. <laughs> you know why? Because it takes souls to reach souls. That's what it takes. Um, you know, 1 John 3, 17 and 18, we looked at it last week. Uh, right actions are a byproduct of true faith. Now, here's, here's step number four. And this is our final step in this series, okay? Step number four for becoming a bomb-proof believer is this. And this, this is the one that gets us, okay? Um, it's, it's one thing to give your life to Christ. It's one thing for him to change you inside. And then it's another maybe to, you know, to do some things at the church and serve the church. But then there's step number four. And this one rocks people's worlds, okay? Here's what it is. Step number four. Bomb-proof believers reproduce. Bomb-proof believers reproduce. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19. It'll be on the screen. It says, and, and Jesus is talking here, and he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, and he's talking to his disciples, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Great verses. Let's pray together and ask God to bless our, our rest of our time. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how it, it speaks to our lives. And, and when we read it, it can change us. And Lord, today, as we look at the scriptures that tell us that we are called to reproduce, I pray that you would ignite a fire inside of us that, is, that, is, that can't go out, Lord, that, that, that just 
has a passion for reproducing, for sharing our faith with those that don't know you. And so Lord, give us that passion. It can only come from you. It's not natural uh, for all of us to do that. It has to come from you. And so Lord, just speak to our hearts today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Bomb-proof believers reproduce. Okay? Uh, it, you know, have you ever, if you've ever worked on a ranch, you've, you've noticed that in the morning, uh, you know, at the butt crack of dawn, uh, you, uh, you get up and you meet with the cow boss. And the cow boss, the cow boss is the guy that's kind of in charge that gives the orders, right? Every morning he'll say, you're going to this pasture, you're going over here, you're going to gather this, you're going to gather that. Jesus is doing the same thing. He's gathering his disciples around him and he's saying, okay, here's the job for you. He looks at his disciples and he says, this is what I want you to do. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. To go, look at it. Therefore, what? Say it with me. Therefore, go. Is it on there? Yeah, right there. Therefore, go. You know what two-thirds of the word God is? Go. He tells us to go. I mean, he says go and do what? Make disciples. And you say, well, what's that mean? It means that we share Christ with them. It means that we have to open our mouths and give them the hope that we have found in Jesus Christ and help them follow the Lord in believers' baptism as a byproduct, not a, not a salvation thing, but as a byproduct of being obedient or obedient to him. We are, we are baptized. And then at the end it says, and we teach them how to become a bomb-proof believer. And I love the last part of that scripture. It says that God will be with us. Jesus will be with us every step of the way. That's, that's amazing to me. Um, reproduction. Uh, show that, show that um, slide on, the, on how to... Re- <laughs> Never mind. I was going to tell a joke. Show that slide up there that shows us how, to, how human reproduction takes place. Never mind. I was just kidding. I wouldn't want to see that slide, would you? Human reproduction. Here, here's, how many of you guys went to college? Anybody go to college? Okay. How many of you guys in college had to take human sexuality? Anybody take that class? What was it called for you? What was it called? Do you remember? Well, for me, I was a, I was a family development major, okay? In, that, in other words, a family psychology major. And so I had to take a class called human sexuality. Now, teenagers... Never mind. <clears throat> I'm going to try to keep this as cool as possible. But I was a single college student, and here I was in human sexuality, a co-ed class with a bunch of other girls, and the teacher was a wolf. Okay? Her name was Dr. Otika Ball. Otika Ball. And she was a beautiful lady. She was kind of, uh, you know, she was beautiful. She was uh, fun. I mean, I was one of her favorite students. <laughs> And I, uh, I tried to brown nose myself with her all the time and told her how beautiful she looked. She, she was kind of a larger lady, but she was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing about her is, is she had the hair that was just like this tall, you know? And I don't know how she got this bow on it, but she perched this bow. I don't know if it was a drop of honey or what she put it on with. But she had this bow on her head, and every time she laughed, everything would jiggle. You ever seen those, you ever seen those people? I mean, it's just, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And she and I were buddies, man. Well, she would put up these slides on the overhead projector in front of everybody. And it's like the human anatomy. And it's like the male human body parts. And I'm going, holy crap. 
crap, what's going on here? I'm like, how you doing, Sarah? <laughs> you know? I mean, my study partner, Sarah, and I are studying the, the parts of the human body. And I'm like, awkward, you know? But, but here's the deal. I mean, here, here, reproduction has to take place. If you've ever had a ball-proof horse, you've probably thought about two things. How can I get another horse out of this horse, or how can I buy one that's related to this horse, right? You, you think about that. You think about reproducing. And, you know, I have a couple horses. This is one of them uh, that I brought this morning out of my, my wife's grandpa's brood of horses. Did you uh, ever met Donald Gordon? Anybody met Donald Gordon? No Donald Gordon? That was, that was my wife's grandpa. Wilma Gordon's uh, my wife's grandma, obviously. Um, well, he raised some great horses. And the horses that I've received from them and that I've gotten from them have always had great minds. Now, one might be lazy, one might be a little hot, but they've always had good minds. But here's the truth. They didn't get it on their own. It had to be passed down, right? From Doc Barr, from Poco Brown, from Leo. All those traits were passed down. Here's the truth. As bomb-proof believers, we are called to pass down godly character, our passion for Christ, and our hunger for God. You say, well, how do we do that? Here's number one. We've got two, two points today. Number one is this. How do we pass that down? How do we reproduce? Here's number one. We've got to open our mouths. We have to open our mouths. We must stop committing the sin of silence. Did, did you realize there's two types of sin? Two categories of sin. you got the sin of commission. You know what that is? That's where you commit a sin. You go and you murder somebody. Then you've got the sin of omission. That's where you don't do what you know is right. Right? That's where you know you should love that person, but you don't love that person. Listen, the sin of silence is the sin of omission. When God places someone in your path that you can share Christ with, and you go, no, no, not going to say it. When your kids come to you and they say, what should I do, Dad? And you go, I'm not going to tell you about Jesus, what Jesus would do, because I'm not living my life right. When a person is going through a divorce or going through a, a heartache and pain, we don't tell them about Jesus. It's called the sin of silence. And, it, and it's killing us. In, in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, Earlier in the verses, uh, Paul has just shared with, the, uh, shared with us how a person can be saved. In verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then in verse 14, it starts right there. In verse 14, the questions come. And it says this. Here, listen to these questions. Verse 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one whom they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. You say, well, how can they learn about Jesus? We have to open our mouths. You get it? So many people are scared to share their faith. If you will look at it as a challenge, if you're like me, if you tell me don't, I'll say, all right, I'm going to do it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you say, oh, you can't do that, well, watch me. 
faith, right? Listen, you, you look at uh, sharing your faith as a drudgery. Oh, God, I got to talk about Jesus. I mean, he saved my life. And here I am trying to talk. I got to talk about him? You mean, Bo, you want me to share my faith? Oh, I, I thought he gave us eternal life in heaven someday. Listen, you you got to open your mouths and, and you've got to share your faith. And you say, well, well, how do I do that? How do I how do I accomplish that? Listen, you do it by opening your mouth. And you say, well, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what verse it is. I don't, I don't know how to share that. Listen, the excuses are gone. Because here's what's gonna happen. At the end of the service today, you're gonna get a sheet of paper. Our howdy team, those of you that agree to today, if you'll uh, see Kelly Williams when you're done here, and she will give you this piece of paper. At the end of the service today, as you leave out the doors, you're going to receive a piece of paper that has scripture after scripture telling you and showing you how you can share your faith with, with others around you. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's, here's what happens to a lot of preachers. A lot of preachers go, get it done! But then they don't show you how to do it. They go share your faith, but then they don't give you the scriptures to show you how to truly do it. And so we're going to eliminate those excuses. Um, and here's a fact. Sharing your faith is not a calling for just a, a select few. It's not just the preacher's job, right? I mean, I get it all the time. People are like, hey, this guy really needs to talk about Christ. And Would you meet with him? And I'm like, sure, I'll meet with him. But before I do, would you share with him how you got saved? <laughs> People hate that. They're like, that's what you get paid to do. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's your calling just as much as it's my calling. Right? Matthew 28 tells us to go. He's talking to his disciples. And guess what? We are his disciples. Right? Yeah. Can I get more than four o'clock? Come on. Can I just say the truth? It's time for Christians to get off the pill. The pill of complacency and start reproducing. That's what we should be about is reproducing. Uh, here's something important to understand. I, I'm not talking about forcing someone to listen. The last time I tried to force somebody to listen to me, it went down the tubes. I'm not talking about making someone your Christian pet project. You know what I'm saying? Well, I want to see that person get saved before I die. You know? They're going to come to, I've got to sell my right arm. No. I'm telling you, that doesn't work. You know what I'm talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Thousand Hills Ranch Church is committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the unchurched Western culture by tearing down religious barriers and what? Building authentic relationships. The people that I truly think that, that, that God can use me to really reach are those that I've built authentic relationships with. You know why? Because I'm not just treating them as a Christian pet project. I'm their true friend. And you say, well, can God still use me in, a, in an airport, you know, with a one-time shot? I've never met this guy. Absolutely. He can do that. But there are people in your life every day that you've known for 20 years that you've never shared your faith with, and you've got an authentic relationship with them, but here's the truth. You're scared that you're going to lose that relationship. I don't know about you, but if I truly love somebody, I'm going to tell them how to get to heaven someday. You know what hatred is? Hatred is keeping our mouths shut. 
And can I just encourage you as parents? It starts with your kids. Uh, I'm learning this. It starts with your kids. It starts at a young age. Sharing your faith with your kids. Ephesians 6.4 Fathers, do not exasperate or do not provoke your children. Instead, bring them up in the training instruction of the Lord. This is the key to giving your children the best chance of becoming a bomb-proof believer is training them in the instruction of the Lord. You know what the key part of that is? The instruction of the Lord. You can teach them math. You can teach them how to work. You can teach them science. But you've never truly given them anything that's eternal until you teach them about the Lord. That's our first calling as parents. And that's, that's the calling that we all should be about. So many parents are scared to teach their kids about Jesus. They're scared that their kids are going to hate God. I mean, if I tell them about God, they're going to hate him. Listen, I'd rather go to my grave showing them the love of God, pouring out the love of God in them, not forcing, you know, it down their throat, but being an example in, in my actions and in my words to them and pouring it into my life, into my kids' lives. You know, my son Hampton, uh, he's not in here, is he? There's a little cutie right there. But my son Hampton, he's like a year old, and he's my little chubba wubba, you know? I mean, he's a little chump, man, and he's a cool little kid. Well, we, we pray a lot around our house, and, uh, you know, for meals and at, at, at nighttime with our kids. My, my son, Hampton, can't really talk, but at the end of our prayers, guess what he says? Amen. 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 If I could get him up here and show you, he just, he wants to say amen. <laughs> and that's all he can say. My, my daughter, Madeline, she's five years old, and she's been asking questions. You know, I want Jesus in my heart. I, I want to I go to heaven someday. Five years old. And you say, well, how does that happen? I open my mouth. I'm not scared. I mean, ultimately, God has them in his hand, and he's going to draw them to himself, but I have to do my part. You see, my kids are 16, and they're little jerks. <laughs> they don't mind. They don't do nothing. They don't listen to me. Listen, it's not too late. You still pay the bills. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. You said, I, I'm telling you, my dad, they, we had rules in our house. If we were healthy and in town, we were going to church. You say, that's legalistic. No, it's not. That's called commitment. A lot of parents want to give their kids the choice. Uh, do you want to go to church today? I'll tell you what. If I was 15 years old nowadays, I would choose no. I ain't going to no church. Some of you guys are smoking crack thinking your, your children are going to choose to go to church on their own. You're a parent. And again, we're not trying to, to get you to force it down there. Parents, you, you, you have to make it a priority. Guess what? In your life, and then your kids will make it a priority in theirs. Yeah. It's, it's a byproduct of who you are for really what they become. And uh, so, uh, here, here, so, let's just keep going. Point number one, you've got to open your mouth. Right? Point number two is this, and we're done. We, to, how do we reproduce? How do we become bomb-proof believers? Number one, we must open our mouths. Number two, we have to show them how. It's not enough for me to just open my mouth. I have to show them how. 
The Bible teaches us that back in Matthew uh, 28, uh, the last of that verse, it says in, in verse 20, it says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Listen, it's not just about a decision that my daughter makes. It's about showing her how to live out that decision. That's what it takes. And we're called to do that. Um, I want to I get on my horse and, and I'll, I'll show you a little something. Um, <clears throat> this is my, my horse, Odie. And uh, his, actually his real name is Otis. And I named my horses after my friends. <laughs> this horse is tall, dark, and handsome. My buddy Otis, he's tall, dark, and handsome. If I can say so as a man. Okay? I don't have a man crush, but I'm just saying <clears throat> Um, this is Odie, and uh, my kids actually named him Odie. I mean, again, his name is Otis. But um, this horse is, I think he's five or six years old now. <clears throat> and uh, he's learned a lot. I mean, I, I got him as a yearling, and we kind of trained him a little bit and done some things on him. Um, but there was, one, there was one maneuver that I hadn't taught him yet, um, and, I, and I got invited to a ranch um, if you've ever been to Canadian, the J-Bar Ranch, uh, it's owned by Randy Bailey and uh, Lynn Guthrie. Anybody know Lynn from Sharon? Yeah. Um, my friend Merle Guthrie invited me to go, and they were shipping a bunch of cattle on the J-Bar. And he, he asked me to go take some pictures. I do some ranch photography. And he asked me to go. And so we're gathering these cattle. We probably gathered six or 700 head that morning. We started at, you know, at dawn, and we got these... Uh, these cattle in this pen, and I was taking pictures and all that stuff, and they invited me to get into the pen, you know, and, and start sorting out some cattle, okay? And when you're loading cattle, you bring them by number, right? 20, 20, 13, 5, or whatever it is, to load them up into the trailer as they go. Well, here's the truth. Uh, this horse, Odie, he was probably only about two years old, and uh, I hadn't taught him a maneuver called a side pass, okay? And I hadn't told you that. Does anybody know what a side pass is? Everybody kind of knows what a side pass is? I'll see, let me see if I can get this one to side pass. This is called a side pass, where they kind of walk off to the side there. I kind of open the door here, and then I kind of push him over with my leg. It's called a side pass, okay? Well, my horse hadn't learned how to do that. And when you're in a pen and you're trying to sort cattle, you want your horse to be able to side pass. Well, my horse was having trouble getting to the gate. And when you're in it, you know, like I said, when you're in a pen like this, you want to be able to grab the gate, and I'm going to see if I can do this without, <clears throat> without losing the gate. I need to be in a racehorse competition, do See how he side passes, and he helps me push that gate. And if cattle were coming back toward me, he would block the cattle, right? He would block the cattle and keep them from coming. And then I could stand him right here. Well, my horse was having trouble doing that. And there was another cowboy there named Josh, okay? Another cowboy, he worked on the J-Bar Ranch, and his name was Josh. And here's what he did. He saw me having trouble side-passing my horse, and so guess what he did? He didn't tell me how to do it. He didn't go, man, you should have you know, taught him that before you got here. Guess what he did? He grabbed his horse. And when I was going to, to open the gate or shut the gate, guess what he did? He put his horse beside my horse, and he would push with pressure on my horse, and he would push and, what I would say, mentor my horse on how to do it. 
You know how this horse learned how to side pass? Josh and his horse taught this horse and me how to side pass. Listen, people. It's not enough just to tell people about Christ. It's not enough just to, to open our mouths and, and just talk about it. You have to show them. You have to show them. Listen, our calling is not just to know God. It's to make Him known. My job as a Christian is to make God famous. But some of you, and some of me, so I, I am the same way sometimes. I'm scared. I mean, this cowboy's not going to listen. Who cares? You've built an authentic relationship with him, or God has impressed you through the Holy Spirit to talk to him. You need to talk to him. If you don't, guess what? It's a sin. The sin of silence. And so here's the question. <clears throat> Are you reproducing? Again, some of you guys are parents. Are you pouring out your faith into Jesus Christ? Or into your in, faith in Jesus Christ into your kids? Are you doing that? If you're trying, keep it up. If you're if you're struggling with that, Well, good morning. Good to have you in the bar of the Lord this morning. You guys stay with us. We're going to sing a little song you might recognize from back in the day. And I know some of you guys are uh, musically challenged. So if you can't sing, at least you can clap, right? And if you need to spit your gum out while you do that, go for it. Because some of you... <laughs> 